Step into the hidden corridors of the past with Hometown History, where every episode uncovers the untold stories and secrets nestled in the streets and alleys of our own backyards. We bring history to life, revealing the extraordinary in the ordinary, from local legends to forgotten tales that shape the communities we know today. Tune into Hometown History and embark on a journey through time, right from where you are. There's the cinnamon challenge. I've heard of the chubby bunny challenge. Um, I've actually tried it at home once. But then there's also the Charlie Charlie challenge. Step one, gather your supplies, two pencils and a piece of paper. Step two, draw two lines to divide the paper into equal quadrants. Three, label the quadrants so that as you move from quadrant to quadrant, they alternate yes, no, yes, no. Four, balance one pencil on top of the other on the dividing lines. Do you recognize these steps? Have you heard them before? Maybe you'll recognize the last one. Five, say, Charlie, Charlie, are you there? And then ask your question. Will he say yes or will he say no? Are you scared to find out? And more importantly, is he really in the room with you? My name is Elise Parisian, and we will answer all of these questions and more on this episode of Unspookable. Last week, we talked about Bloody Mary, a scary game that kids in the U.S. have played for decades, passing it down to each other through word of mouth. Maybe an older sibling tells a younger sibling, or a group of students try it at their school, and then their classmates hear about it. And so the story and the game and the cloud of mystery around it passes from person to person, from school to school, town to town, and then state to state until today when you can probably mention Bloody Mary to almost anyone, and they will at least have heard of it. It may seem simple, but this is an important part of being human. We share information with each other, body to body, voice to voice. We communicate and ideas spread. Homo sapiens, our modern human species, evolved sometime around 200,000 years ago, and survival depended on communication in order to secure the basics of survival, like food and shelter and warnings of danger. Communication is still critically important today, But now humans have evolved to the point where we have so many different ways to share information and ideas. Our ancient ancestors may not have had the capability to share stories over the internet or through podcasts like this one, but telling stories, both for entertainment and in order to pass down important information through generations, is a part of what makes being a human being special. Which brings me back to Charlie Charlie, or as many of us may know it, the Charlie Charlie Challenge. On May 24th, 2015, A teenage Twitter user in Georgia filmed themselves summoning Charlie with the steps we talked about earlier. Within 48 hours, the hashtag CharlieCharlieChallenge had been used over 2 million times. Millions of people all over the world were asking Charlie questions and challenging their friends to do the same. We all know that different challenges or funny videos or memes can go viral. That's just part of our world. But if you think about it, The very idea of going viral is a very new concept. It's less than 20 years old. 
The idea that two million people could have shared the same information in only two days would have been unimaginable to Johannes Gutenberg, who invented the printing press in 1439. Until the press was invented, many texts had to be copied by hand, meaning very few people had access to the written word. Now, each minute over 300,000 tweets are shared, and more than 400 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube. It's kind of astounding. So, while even 40 or 50 years ago it would have taken a long time for us to know about Charlie, instead, many of us learned about it in an instant. So we know that Charlie Charlie and other challenges can spread really quickly thanks to social media platforms. But what is it about this specific challenge that made it so popular? Is Charlie a real person? What are the origins of this game? And what are some of the reasons that we believe it works? That we're really summoning a spirit who can answer our questions? More on that in just a moment. Like, I've played the Charlie Challenge, or at least tried to, but all my friends just blow the pencils away, so then I never actually got to fully play it. I tried Charlie Charlie at school with my friend Genevieve, and what we did was we took a piece of paper and we wrote yes in the opposite corners, one on the top, one on the bottom, and same with the nose. And it actually did work because we were making sure that we were from a distance they said it moved. I don't know if it really moved or not because um, I wasn't fully paying attention, but I'm pretty sure that it really did work. Most of us living in the U.S. didn't hear about the Charlie Charlie game until 2015, when that tweet I mentioned went viral. But people in Spanish-speaking countries around the world have been playing versions of the game for a long time, with some saying that it's existed in Spain for generations. It's possible that the Charlie Charlie game, as it's known now, is a version of a game called Juego de la Lapicera, which roughly translates to game with pens, and similarly is about trying to communicate with a spirit. It's hard to say when or where exactly the game first appeared, but it may have a connection to the worldwide fascination with Ouija boards. We'll talk more about Ouija boards in a later episode, but a Ouija board is a flat board with the letters of the alphabet, the words yes, no, and sometimes numbers or other symbols. In the same way that you can summon Charlie, some people believe that you can summon spirits to answer questions using the Ouija board. You could think of Charlie Charlie as a quick and cheap way to contact the dead if you don't have the more elaborate and expensive board. The 2015 surge in popularity has been traced back to the Dominican Republic in the Atomayor province, where a news show broadcast an unintentionally funny story about a satanic game taking over schools. So who is Charlie? That's such a specific name. Do we know where it comes from? When we say Charlie, are we suggesting that we are summoning the ghost of one specific person? Or is it more complicated than that? There are many theories about who Charlie could be. Some say he's a boy who died in a car accident or another tragedy. Some Americans have claimed that Charlie is the spirit form of a pagan Mexican deity that likes to meet with the Christian devil. But does that claim have any basis in fact? Do the Americans making this claim have an understanding of Mexican culture? These questions point to a common and sometimes problematic occurrence when humans face the unknown. People tend to seek explanations for things they don't understand, which makes sense, right? 
Unfortunately, sometimes people make assumptions without asking important questions, and that search turns into unfair generalizations about a group of people, or a culture that's different than our own. There's no demon called Charlie in Mexico, says Maria Elena Naves of BBC Mundo. Mexican legends often come from ancient Aztec and Maya history, or from the many beliefs that began circulating during the Spanish conquest. Mexican demons are usually American inventions, she says. For Americans, linking the game to Mexican tradition may be a way to make it sound more exciting or exotic, but it doesn't truthfully portray Mexican culture. A similar phenomenon happened with the Ouija board. Some people claimed that it originated in Egypt, even though we know it was invented in the United States in the 1800s. Linking the Ouija board to Egyptian culture served a similar purpose as linking Charlie to Mexican culture. Americans may have been more engaged with the game because of the connection to people who may be different. Of course, it's normal to be fascinated or even a little confused by a culture that's different than your own. But often asking deeper questions before labeling something like Charlie Charlie as part of a certain culture can lead to a more complex and interesting understanding of the world around you, and one that also recognizes the humanity of others. Aside from all the supernatural reasons why the Charlie Charlie game may work, there are other factors related to science and the human brain that may contribute to how we experience the hashtag Charlie Charlie challenge. The first is gravity. As many of us know, gravity is the force by which a planet, moon, or other body draws objects towards its center. Gravity is the reason that we stay glued to the Earth and don't float off into space. It's the reason that objects have weight. It also explains why one pencil, balanced precariously on top of another, might roll around, appearing to point to one of the words on the page. With the way a pencil is shaped, it can be difficult to find the center of gravity, so the pencil will likely not stay still. Another factor is magical thinking. Magical thinking is defined as the attribution of causal relationships between actions and events which cannot be justified by reason or observation. Which is just a fancy way of saying our brains see cause and effect relationships between things even when they may not exist. Magical thinking is also what might cause us to imagine that a sound outside of our window is a monster. We think, I heard a sound, it must be something scary. Because of the power of our imaginations, instead of thinking of a factual or provable explanation like, I heard a sound, it must be the tree outside rubbing against the house. Another way that our brains contribute to how we experience a phenomenon like Charlie Charlie is through something called response expectancy. Because of the power of the human brain, when we expect or want a certain thing to happen, it can cause subconscious actions and thoughts that lead to the anticipated outcome. We may want to see the pencil move so badly that almost even without realizing it, we place it in a certain way so that it rolls. Another way to think about this is the idiomotor effect. Idiomotor comes from the words idio, meaning idea, or mental representation, and motor, meaning muscular. This phrase is often used to describe a reflexive response to thinking about a particular sensation, like if you wince when you think about pain, or scrunch your mouth a little when you think about tasting a lemon. Those things aren't happening to you, but your brain triggers a response in your body just by imagining them. So if you really want Charlie to make the pencil point to a yes, and we imagine it happening, our muscles may subconsciously influence that outcome. What is it about challenges that get us humans so engaged? That make us want to believe in a game like Charlie Charlie so that we can share it online? 
According to Richard Ryan, a psychologist at the University of Rochester, there are three areas in which humans have universal psychological needs, or things that make our mind feel good. Autonomy, relatedness, and competence. We want to make choices for ourselves. And we want to have friends and be a part of a group. And we want to have some control over what happens when we do things, like try to summon a spirit. It seems like most people who make the choice to try Charlie Charlie do it with a friend. And even if not, by sharing the experience online, one automatically becomes a part of an online group. What about a sense of control, though? Does trying to summon a spirit leave room for control? I do and don't believe that the Charlie Charlie challenge is real, because sometimes it could be real. I'm not really sure, though. Um, people say it works best at night when you have candles and you're outside. Well, I truly believe that you can do it at any time, but it only moves because of the wind or the air. Well, you really have to try by yourself to figure it out. Just like the printing press, or even going way back, the invention of the wheel, or the use of fire, social media and the internet as a whole can be considered human tools. Some people might say that the internet has made human society better. We can communicate in the blink of an eye. We have access to an unimaginable amount of knowledge. Just think, 50 years ago, if you wanted to know how much krill a blue whale eats in a day, you would have to go to the library, find a book, and look up the answer. Now, most of us have a device on us all the time that can find the answer in seconds. A blue whale can eat as much as 8,000 pounds of krill per day, by the way. Even with all of the amazing things that the internet provides, Some people say it's bad for human society. That we are more disconnected than ever because we spend our days staring at screens. That things like social media challenges are dangerous for kids, and that because we can be anonymous on the internet, it encourages bullying and unhealthy self-image. So which is true? Is the internet a good thing or a bad thing for humans? Well, like with many complex parts of human society, it's kind of impossible to answer that question definitively. Perhaps the best thing we can do is think about the internet as a tool. The internet can't be defined as good or bad all by itself. It's the way we use it that gives it power. Just like we choose to believe in the supernatural power of a spirit like Charlie who can answer our questions, we can also choose if the next thing we share online will have a positive or a negative impact on someone's day. Charlie, Charlie, do you agree? We'll have to wait and see which way the pencil points. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit with myself and Nate Dufort. Produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. And special thanks to this week's guests, Bella and Blythe. We have big things planned for this season. So if you want to know the stories behind Ouija boards, Slenderman, and more, make sure you subscribe to Unspookable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And it would help us out a lot if you could leave a rating and review. Unspookable is part of the Soundsington Audio Network, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. 
every morning will answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.